Welcome into the Fog.net podcast, Scott Chasen alongside Michael Swain. KU football won this week, but KU basketball is back. So we had quite the conundrum figuring what we wanted to talk to you guys about, talk through on this episode of the podcast. I think we're going to roll with basketball the start of the season, but real quick, 30 seconds, Michael Swain, one thing you thought about KU football defeating TCU, 27-26 at Memorial Stadium on Saturday. I thought it was just a gutsy performance in general, just from top to bottom. I thought the defense was just gritty as usual. And I thought the offense was actually creative for the first time. I've, I felt like since against Central Michigan, the way they used Puka Williams really impressed me. They used him really more out of the backfield instead of as a runner. And they went to Khalil Herbert a little bit more. They didn't get a lot of yards on offense on the ground, but I think they were still able to rely on him to at least keep the clock moving at the end of the game. And I don't think it can go unnoticed, that run by Peyton Bender. I think that that set up the game-winning touchdown, which if he doesn't get that run, they don't win the game. Yeah, for sure. I thought Peyton Bender, big takeaway for me. He looks more confident now that he isn't looking over his shoulder constantly. thought you had a great story. It's at kansas.247sports.com. Breaking down Peyton Bender and how the calmest, most reserved uh, boring by personality, you know, that's the type of presence he is. It's very, you know, steady and calm and cool and breezy and whatever, uh, how he kind of fired people up with his play, not necessarily, you know, his words. So again, that's at kansas.247sports.com. If you go to Michael Swain's Twitter at mswain97, sure it's on there. Let's talk about KU basketball. We spent the first 90 seconds of this podcast on football, but KU basketball is back. The Jayhawks defeating Emporia State 93-55, to I want to say. You can probably hear my dogs barking in the background. They're excited to talk KU basketball as well, evidently. <laughs> um, l- let's, let's start with the guy who absolutely dominated the game, uh, Diedrich Lawson. Swain, I'll start with you. It was your first chance to get a real look at Diedrich Lawson. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on the junior? I mean, he really fulfilled the nickname D Smooth. I mean, he just looked like he was gliding on the court most of the game. It, it looked effortless, honestly. It was a really – Bill Self called it, what, the clumsiest or dirtiest – I don't know what he said, uh, 31, but I thought that he looked really good, was able to really get to any shot he wanted. Granted, it was against a Division Two squad in Emporia State, but I was still really impressed with just kind of how easy and effortless he made the game look. Yeah, I thought Dietrich Lawson was fantastic. I thought he, you know, obviously goes for 31 and 15. Uh, obviously a great scoring performance, but I agree with you. I agree with Bill Self, and I agree with Dietrich Lawson that he, you know, to quote Bill Self, quote, certainly could have played a lot better. Uh, Dietrich Lawson has the type of game that I think KU fans have not really experienced around here in a while because he's kind of a throwback scorer. He's creative. He can you know, beat you any any number of ways in the post. Uh, George Niang might be the perfect comparison. It was a comparison that was brought up to Yudoka Azubuki at uh, Big 12 Media Day, and he agreed instantly. He was like, yes, that guy is like George Niang. Bill Self made a similar comparison. He mentioned Boris Diaw. This guy has been compared to Marcus Morris. He is a, he is smooth. You you mentioned it perfectly right there. And and again, this wasn't the the best game. This wasn't a perfect game. He still walked away with 14 and 12 in the first half, 31 and 15 for the game. Preseason All-American, preseason Big 12 newcomer of the year. I mean, how high should, should expectations be for Diedrich Lawson? I mean, national player of the year expectations. I mean, for me at least, I if yeah, I had a 
ballot for if there was something for preseason national player of the year, I would have voted for him. I honestly think that at the end of the season, if you're going to look back and it's not going to be Carson Edwards, it's not going to be Dean Wade, who was voted the uh, big 12 preseason player of the year. I think people are going to look back and see that Deidre Lawson was by far the best player in college basketball because he's going to be the best player on what should end up being the best team in the nation. And he's going to make everyone around him better. And he's going to really showcase that skill set that I think is going to end up maybe getting it, him to be a lottery pick. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure he has even a lottery pick ceiling just because he doesn't really have that athleticism, you know, sure. that, that maybe some of those guys do. But I will say this, um, you know, I obviously get an end of the year vote and, and you may as well with the if you're with the USBWA and, and for national player of the year and then things like that. And he's absolutely someone I think that will be in contention for that. Again, a preseason All-American. So if that sounds like that praise is too high, keep in mind that literally he was voted by the Associated Press as one of the five best players in college basketball coming into the season. We're going to talk about a list a little bit later from CBS Sports that ranked him as the number four player in college basketball coming into the season uh, and also as the best player in the Big 12. So uh, I think expectations should be sky high for him. It's, it's interesting. He really developed, uh, thanks to his dad, uh, a big part of that, Keelan Lawson, uh, in terms of being a ball handler and in terms of shooting and in terms of you know adding a jump hook to his game, adding a jump shot, becoming kind of a new age, uh, more mobile big man. Like I mentioned, he doesn't have great athleticism in terms of he's not going to go you know climb up you know, it's not going to be like he's climbing a ladder and throwing down a dunk with his head on the rim, but he is sneaky and crafty in the way he gets into open spaces and, and kind of is able to use his length, use his size to, to create buckets and, and scoring opportunities. He had one shot in the exhibition game where I think he caught the ball on maybe the right block, took a dribble or two, lightning quick into the lane, put up a jump hook. I asked him about that, and he said he's been working on that move basically since you know, his dad, you know, put a ball in his hands at age three and, and he really worked on, on making that unstoppable at age eight or age nine. So, um, I, I definitely think that, uh, Diedrich Lawson is, it's going to be different because, you know, I mentioned this in my story from the game. Obviously this was an exhibition game and it was against Emporia state. So you don't want to get too dramatic. He, he also had 31 points and 15 boards, which as far as the KU Athletics logs go, no player has ever done in an exhibition game in a Kansas uniform. Uh, Thomas Robinson never had those numbers in a game for you know his uh, massive, massive, incredible junior year. So again, that doesn't mean he's going to average 30 and 15, but you know this is a guy who averaged right on the cusp of 20 and 10 at Memphis. Bill Self has called him the best passer he's ever coached. Bill Self has talked up his scoring, said he could average, you know, tons of points, be the team's best scorer, be the team's leading scorer. He's complimented his IQ. He's compared him in quickness and defensively to Larry Bird. Uh, this is absolutely a guy who should have these these really high expectations placed upon him. And I, I don't know that fans can get too excited about Diedrich Lawson at this point. I think if you're a KU fan, you have every right to just get super, super pumped. And I, I'm not sure who the last player like that would be who wasn't, you know, like a five-star freshman. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I think that really with Diedrich, what makes it so interesting for him is how versatile he is. I mean, you could play him at the five, you can play him at the three. He said he, you know, is he is comfortable playing the three. And I think it could be really interesting looking at all the different lineups Bill Self could use him in, given the matchups there are in the Big 12 with players like Dean Wade or Wigington with Iowa State. 
I think that the way that they decide to use him and all the different things that Diedrich Lawson can do to make other players around him better, he can space the floor if they want with Devon Dotson and run a pick and pop. And they had talked about that at Big 12 Media Day, Diedrich Lawson did, and then Devon Dotson after the game, talking about how they've kind of started to build a little bit of a chemistry in pick and roll and pick and pop situations. I was also really impressed with how Dotson kind of transitioned it over to him with kind of just overall how ten- tenacious he was on defense to start the game. He was picking up full court the first couple defensive possessions, and that really stood out to me. Yeah, I mean, just to finish and kind of bury the conversation on Diedrich Lawson before we move on to some of those other guys, um, I, I was just kind of thinking in my own head about players who have come into the season with the hype and expectations of like, you know, the type of player they could be. Because you'll recall even Frank Mason going into his senior season, you know, wasn't thought of as a national player of the year. In fact, there was question as to who the best player in Kansas was going to be. Some people thought it would be, you know, Devontae Graham. A lot of people thought it might be Josh Jackson. Um, so I, I thought that was kind of an interesting conversation. I think maybe a senior Perry Ellis had those you know, kind of high expectations. People did think uh, junior Thomas Robinson was going to be a big deal. Ben McLemore was a redshirt freshman, if you kind of want to count him. Jeff Withy returning as a senior. Devontae Graham would be an obvious name. And uh, maybe there's some more of those guys on this team. Maybe LeGerald Vick could be a guy that has maybe those expectations or a junior Yudoka as a bookie. Uh, the fact of the matter is, though, I, I think, le- like we've kind of spent the first few minutes of this podcast talking about, plenty of reason to be excited about Diedrich Lawson and Lawrence um, and, and plenty of reason to be excited about what he could do. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility he could average a double-double this year. And I think the perfect big to compliment him with, uh, we can talk about that a little bit later, but I think that may be the only thing that, that KU is lacking because I think they have one big on the roster whose skill set would perfectly complement what Diedrich Lawson does best. I'm not sure he's going to get the chance to play this year, but we'll talk about that in a minute. So uh, l- let's get into those freshmen like you kind of spoke about. Uh, Devon Dotson, um, you wrote about, I believe, came out this morning, came out Sunday. If if you're listening to this, I guess you'll be listening on Monday. Um, Devon Dotson kind of impressed Bill Self, and it it seems like, at least from an outside perspective and, and based off what Bill Self has said, seems like he's KU's starting point guard and maybe with a bullet at this point. Yeah, I think so. It really, he impressed me, I think, first of all, with how much the ball was turned over in the game. KU had 22 uh, turnovers. Devon Dawson had zero. He didn't turn the ball over at all, and yet he was the starting point guard and played a bunch of minutes. I think that that was really interesting for me was seeing how careful he was with the ball and how he used the ball and was able to you know kind of gather guys open while also getting his own shot. I was impressed with how well he got to the rim and was able to either you know finish at the rim or draw some contact and get to the line. He did go four four from the free throw line. 2 of 4 from the field, and 0 from 1 from 3. And I think the three-point shot is the only thing in his game that's kind of the missing piece. He's got the defense, he's got the passing, he's got the athleticism. He just really needs to get that outside shot so he can kind of space the floor for other guys and so that it doesn't necessarily have to be he can only get to the rim or you know do pick and pop and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. I think his other miss was a pull-up mid-range jumper. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure it was. So that would seem to suggest when he's going to the rim, he's absolutely at his best. As far as the starting point guard position, you know, is concerned, Bill Self was kind of critical uh, after the game of Charlie Moore basically saying he sees him as a scorer off the bench, which um, is not a – I mean, I don't know how many times you've heard Bill Self say that about a guy. 
like straight up be like, I think he's a bench player essentially. And he said, Charlie Moore needs to get better uh, doing things other than scoring, especially on the defensive end. Uh, Obviously he's a smaller guy, Charlie Moore, but you know, from Chicago, got that kind of tenacious background. Jaron's Howard has talked about him, you know, called him a big time competitor. He'd like to see more on the defensive end there because granted one exhibition game, but uh, signs are that that may be a weakness for him. And that's certainly what the, the latest word from the coaching staff has been. So, uh, I definitely think I ex- definitely expect at this point Devon Dotson to basically start every game this year unless he does something to get in the doghouse or get in you know get on self's bad side. Um, the three point jumper I would agree is definitely the probably the biggest area for him to come around on. And anything else you think his game really needs at this point, just in terms of starting off, you know, kind of getting acclimated to the college level. I would just say experience, if I'm being honest. I think that the biggest thing with him is going to be when he does go up against Michigan State at the Champions Class, he's going to be going against college athletes, and that's going to be the first time for him just because, you know, going up against Emporia State and Washburn, you know, they're not necessarily Division One athletes, and they're not as good athletes as you're going to face going against Michigan State. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how he does handle that in those first couple games because Kansas does have a pretty tough non-conference schedule. I think that's kind of the only thing you really need to be is, you know, calm and kind of weather the storm that's going to come because there are going to be some ups and downs with him, especially because he does not have that outside shot that's consistent. So I think a lot of his game could end up riding on, you know, how consistent he is at getting to the rim and not turning the ball over. Yeah, for sure. And and, I mean, even moving to the other five-star freshman, Quentin Grimes, I think it'll be a lot of the same. You saw Grimes kind of take a reserved approach, you know, kind of a, uh, you know, Coach Self compared him to Andrew Wiggins uh, at a press conference before the exhibition slate. I believe that was at KU Basketball Media Day. And he's like, you know, you just kind of want to see him be a little bit more of an assassin. Obviously, you know, Bill Self's going to know how to push Quentin Grimes' buttons already. He's coached him at the FIBA Americas. uh, And obviously, you know, in his recruitment, did a obviously did a great job of, of keeping up, you know, checking up on him, keeping in touch with him, kind of learning about him. So clearly there's a, a good familiarity there at this point. I thought that was very interesting criticism or, or not even criticism, but just a comparison to make because you kind of saw that in the game when Quentin Grimes wanted to put his head down, you know, get to the rim. I thought he looked very smooth doing so. I think his jump shots better than he gets credit for right now. I think he's a good passer. I think he is a true combo guard. A lot of the times guys come here with that combo guard label and what that means is they are a shooting guard, but they believe they are a point guard and the staff is is willing to kind of assign a combo guard label just to say like, yeah, you're, you're kind of like another point guard on the floor, but it's, you know, that's not really the case. And maybe the hope is they develop into a point guard by year three, you know, maybe or, or by year four. I think Quentin Grimes could actually play some point guard this year. And I think you might see him play. Uh, some point guard, depending on the matchups, especially if he's going against, you know, maybe a bigger team or conversely, maybe if he's going up against a quicker team and it's causing KU some issues like it did last year and you would send Quentin Grimes in there to post up like he did uh, actually pretty effectively, um, at at least on one position against the smaller Emporia State guards. So um, Quentin Grimes is another one. Big expectations placed on him in the preseason. I'm not sure, you know, nowhere obviously near what, what has been placed on Dietrich Lawson, maybe even Yudoka Azebuki, but I'm not sure KU has had a freshman come in with as much familiarity with Bill Self, you know, short of like Tyler Self or Evan Manning, who had obviously played, you know, familial tie and, and who obviously knew the, the families well and had played in the Lawrence area. I, I think in terms of actual freshmen who are like going to play, 
I think Quentin Grimes probably has a pretty good read on Bill Self and probably has a pretty good read on what he likes. Bill Self's already talking about him developing as a leader, and he's a freshman. Uh, I think that tells you a lot about him, and I think the staff expects him to be gone after one year. Yeah, I definitely like that aspect of Quentin Grimes' game now that Bill Self has talked about just kind of how he's grown as a leader. I think it'll be really interesting to see because there isn't someone that's really that token leader that's been there. There's not – I mean, LeJolt Vick is the – token senior leader, if you would, but he's not necessarily the most vocal leader. And then you have Diedrich Lawson who's coming in as a transfer and he does have a really good familiarity with what self does like, but then there's also Grimes that does have that same exact familiarity. He wasn't there for a season like Diedrich was. So I think it's really interesting the different types of leaders you do have on this team. But speaking of Grimes's game, I was really surprised at how timid he was shooting from outside. Um, for me, it felt like he passed up at least I counted two shots that I were I thought were outrageous that he didn't shoot. Not outrageous in a bad way, just like I was so surprised because it felt like, you know, that's just an easy okay. No one's within five feet of him. You know, just pull up and you can make that. I do wonder if a part of it is that he did know he was more athletic than everyone else and he just kind of wanted to showcase that or if it's he's maybe not comfortable with that three-point shot yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think you didn't want to say outrageous in a bad way. I will say outrageous in a bad way because one of them, I mean, there wasn't a guy within 15 feet of him. He was on the left wing yeah. and the next closest defender was, I think, guarding someone at the top of the key maybe. Uh, he basically turned down an open three, took two dribbles, took a shot in the paint and missed. Um, and his teammates were telling him to shoot. There was another one where wide open three passed it to the middle of the floor. I think it led to a turnover. Or maybe it got batted away and out of bounds or something. And KJ Lawson looked at him and was like, shoot it and, and kind of made that gesture with his hand. So I think that all came after he missed his first one. And I think that's kind of Quentin Grimes's nature mm-hmm. that he would rather get everyone else involved if his shot isn't falling. You know, he's not going to force up a bunch of shots. Conversely, what Bill Self is telling him, and Grimes said this after the game, is shoot it. Shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. If you're open, don't think about it, shoot it. You are a scorer, you're a good basketball player, put the ball up, take shots, whatever. And and that's partly a development of Bill Self, who obviously in years past, last two years notwithstanding, but previously had been criticized as a coach who didn't wasn't adapting to the three ball well. I think the last two years of KU basketball have pretty much put a you know, put a complete stop to that rumor. Bill Self has completely freed and embraced the three-point shot. So I don't think anyone can uh, criticize him for that at all anymore. But I, I think that's what you're seeing with Quentin Grimes is he's telling him, don't be afraid to shoot. And for a guy as talented as Grimes, you you wouldn't expect that he would be. I think he'll get the message. I also think he's a one and done. I, I'm not sure he'll be a lottery pick, but I think he's KU's probably best NBA prospect, maybe behind... Or, or maybe just in front of a guy like a Silvio de Sosa, who I think has the most NBA-ready body uh, of anyone on the roster, I- including Grimes. I think the bigger question with de Sosa, obviously, is the skill set, uh, where his explosiveness is. There, there are a few things that they've been working on with him. Um, and obviously, you know, how much basketball he's going to be able to play this year. Uh, I, I think that's also a good segue into what we wanted to get to for a large part of the conversation today, which is ranking the best players on KU basketball Uh, ranking the best players in the Big 12. And so CBS Sports put out a list of the top 101 players uh, in in college basketball. On that list, obviously some Jayhawks, I believe 13 Big 12 players. So, uh, you you know, the Big 12 and and some of those teams, plenty represented there. Um, I'm pulling up the top of the list right now because I want to be able to give you, I know some of the Duke guys were up at the top. I think Zion Williamson, a freshman, 
uh, was ranked somewhere in like the top 15 or just on the, just kind of on the boundary of that. And let, let me, I'll actually do this. Let's run down the top five and then we'll actually give our own top fives or our own top threes for KU basketball. And then our own top three for uh, big 12 players. If that's good with you, Swain. Yep. That works for me. All right. So CBS Sports List, their top five. Number five, Caleb Martin, uh, Nevada, Nevada, one of those junior. He averaged like 19 points, five rebounds a game last year. Uh, Nevada should be really good this year, and, and I think it'll be fascinating to watch them. Love what Eric Musselman is doing over there. Number four, Dietrich Lawson, mentioned that, that earlier. Basically averaged 20 and 10 on a bad Memphis team. Uh, now he's got maybe the best coach in terms of how to creatively use a weapon and, and facilitate them into an offense. Diedrich Lawson is going to play one through five. Charlie Moore told me that. He said he's a point guard, he's a shooting guard, he's a small forward, he's a power forward, he's a center. And he may not guard other teams' point guards. Don't get that idea. He's not going to play the literal one. But he will initiate offense. He will bring the ball up the court. Uh, so I think you can be excited about that. Luke May, North Carolina at number three. Carson Edwards, Purdue at number two. And R.J. Barrett, uh, Duke's freshman guard at number one. I think R.J. Barrett and Dedrick Lawson enter the season as the two best players in the nation. Uh, you can put those in whichever order you want. But I think, for my money, those are the two best players. So let's go to KU, Swain. Start with you. Uh, give us your 3-2-1 in that order, and then I'll give mine, and we'll start talking about it. Okay, so at number three, I have Devon Dotson. I think, first of all, just starting right now with what we've seen so far and kind of just projecting forward, I think that he's going to be the third most important and the third best player for KU. I think because Bill Self has kind of started criticizing Charlie Moore a little bit, it feels like Dotson has a little bit of wiggle room there to make a little bit of mistakes as a freshman. So I think that giving him that space to grow early on is going to be really important when Big 12 play does come around and you have those away games at K-State, at Texas Tech, at Texas. You know, those are tough away games that you have to go and play. I think he's going to be really important because he's also the one that's going to have to initiate the offense. And even though Diedrich Lawson will have the ball in his hands a lot and LaGerald Vick will and Quentin Grimes will, at the end of the day, I think the most touches and the most usage out of, you know, starting at the one is going to be from Dotson. So he's going to be really important. So number two then I have is Quentin Grimes. Um, I think that, you know, he's the most talented, I think pure athletically talented player on the team. I think that the only question mark really comes in that attitude of, you know, is he going to be timid sometimes if there's a Saturday at 11 a.m. tip against Oklahoma State? You know, is he going to be up for that? Not questioning, you know, the work ethic or anything, but, you know, is he going to be up for it like you saw with Wiggins sometimes, you know, and that's something that Bill Seth had compared to, like you mentioned earlier. I think also with his shot, it's going to be really important to see how that develops over the course of the year if he does get more confidence in it. And then last, Diedrich Lawson. He's by far the best player on the team. Again, I arguably think he's probably the best player in the nation, and I think he's just going to be crucial in what Kansas is going to do. And I think that a lot of what the success that comes from Kansas is going to rely on what Diedrich Lawson can do and Diedrich Lawson's skill set. Yeah, for sure. I definitely think Diedrich Lawson is by far Kansas' best player. I also think he's by far the best player in the Big 12. Uh, no disrespect to Dean Wade, who I think is a good player, but I know what the coaches voted for, and I understand why they voted him a Dean Wade preseason Big 12 player of the year. Look, I get it. He's been in the conference for three years. That familiarity uh, it's easier to vote a guy like that than a newcomer, even if you kind of know what he's going to be. At the same time, you watch Diedrich Lawson play five games, you watch Dean Wade five games. I promise you there are nine coaches in the Big 12 that would take Diedrich Lawson over Dean Wade. And the only reason the 10th one wouldn't 
is because he's worked with Dean Wade for the last three years. So obviously I'm talking about K-State. You wouldn't ever swap out one of your players for a new player because you'd have to, you know, do all that, you know, work kind of integrating them into a new system on the fly. Obviously that creates, you know, a bit of a difference, but I think Dean Wade is clearly, or uh, excuse me, Dietrich Lawson is clearly from based off what I know, based off what I've heard, based off my conversations, I expect him to be the best player in the big 12. And I expect his numbers to reflect that, especially as Sylvia de Sosa isn't in there. So number three, I struggled with number three a lot. Um, I don't think it's LeGerald Vick. Uh, I don't think it's Marcus Garrett just yet. Definitely considered, you know, uh, Devon Dotson, I think is a great pick by you. Definitely considered him. Uh, David McCormick, I think needs a lot of work. Not, a, not in a, not an impossible amount to be good as freshman year, but I think he's got a he's got a bit of a way to go uh, before he's ready to uh, be a real contributor on the court. Don't think it's Charlie Moore. Don't think it's Mitch Lightfoot. So you start to round out the roster, and the two names I really considered here are Yudoka Zabuki and Sylvia DeSosa. And the thing about DeSosa is the staff uh, in my conversations during the offseason with them told me one of the biggest things they were working on with him was his explosiveness, and that surprised me a little bit. And funny enough, the reason why is because they feel like the mental side of his game is coming along well in addition to his skills. So if you are someone who's wondering how good Silvio de Sosa could be, and you're told, oh, he's got the mental stuff down, he's got the skills down, his jumper's great, he's going to make free throws, he's going to be have a mid-range shot, we're actually trying to get him even more athletic, then I think that tells you a ton about what expectations for him should be. I will give it to Yudoka Azubuki, but that makes me very nervous, and I think the reason why is you saw in the exhibition game what Yudoka Azubuki looked like uh, when he did not have another big in the game. He, he got pushed out of rebounds by Emporia State. This was an issue all of last year. Uh, defensive rebounding, why, should have done a much better job. Um, oftentimes, or, or I should, shouldn't say often, but on occasions, guards would actually box out the big men and Azubuki would get uncontested rebounds. It, that type of concept is usually the opposite way. I mean, you've seen that with the Oklahoma City Thunder, where the big men box out guys, and then Russell Westbrook will get the uncontested rebound and start a fast break. It was kind of the opposite last year. And, and you know, Bill Self at one point in non-conference play kind of complained about Azubuki and said, you know, he's never seen, or maybe not never seen, but he, he was surprised by how few defensive rebounds he was getting because, quite frankly, he's just not an effective rebounder on that end or has, hasn't shown himself to be just yet. So... Um, that aspect makes me a little bit uncomfortable. We still haven't seen Azubuki successfully guard any kind of a stretch big man. Uh, outside of Dean Wade, he was okay on him in a couple meetings, but Dean Wade still got some some decent numbers up against him. So that makes me nervous, and I think the free throws too. I know Bill Self is very confident uh, in Azubuki, saying he's going to shoot better than 65% at the line. At the same time, man, uh, here's the thing about free throws. A lot easier to do in practice. Bill Self said he watched Azubuki go 19 for 20 at the line. A lot easier to do. There was a a practice thing where Dwight Howard, the Lakers, was like drilling 87% of his free throws in practice. Like like on hundreds of free throws, but he can't make them in games. And it's because it's a whole different animal. The reason why I always think like the underhanded free throw thing is just a bad idea is because if Yudoka Azubuki practices 10,000 free throws overhand and he still can't hit them, then what's going to change if he practices ten thousand? You know, if he practices a thousand underhand, you know, you're asking him to undo work that, uh, you know, he's put months and months and months of time into. He's not going to be more confident doing it the underhand game, and you risk messing up his confidence overall in other parts of his game. Uh, and I think that's partly why you've seen guys not go to that. Yeah, there's the whole thing about like being embarrassed to shoot underhand, 
But I also don't think it's necessarily just like a gimme. I think you've seen guys try it before and shoot like in the 60s. And it's like, I'd rather just work on my actual jumper to become a better free throw shooter and become a better shooter in general and hope I can get to that same percentage. So I think that's why you've kind of seen that uh, idea maybe not be taken into account with him. That being said, this is a guy who led the nation in free throw or in field goal percentage last year, 77%, averaged 13.7 rebounds, a little bit shy of two blocks. I want to say 1.7. And he's back for another year. He's in great physical shape. Conditioning is off the charts. Uh, He's still a big body, so he still will get winded more than your average player. But I mean, dude had a six pack, you know, coming out of boot camp. So uh, I I actually think that uh, from a physicality, from a size perspective, as a Buki will be my number three player, but I don't feel great about that. I'm not sure KU has a third best player at this point. Mm-hmm, yeah. I think Quentin, I think Quentin Grimes is number two, like you, Swain, and I think Diedrich Lawson, uh, number one. So a- any thoughts on any of that before we quickly get to our best three players in the Big 12? I think just looking at the team as a whole, um, it was asked of, at Deidre Lawson at Big 12 Media Day who would take the last shot if they're at K-State and it's a one-point game, and Dietrich Lawson had said him, and it just kind of got me thinking about kind of those situations of, you know, who would be that guy that you want taking the last shot, you know, if besides Dietrich Lawson, who do you, who would you kind of select to be that last guy? Uh, that's a great question. Um, that's a really tough question, honestly, because guys like Charlie Moore and LeGerald Vick, to me, read very streaky, so I think that's a dangerous game. And I, I think Quentin Grimes, you'd like to see him get more confidence in his outside shot. Again, Marcus Garrett isn't really there at this point. And obviously guys like Mitch Lightfoot, David McCormick, Udo uh, Kazubuki, unless it's a post-up, those guys are not going to be in the equation as well. Um, man, if you need a three-pointer or something, I think the answer has got to be at this point LeGerald Vick. Um but I'm not sure you feel especially great about that. Diedrich Lawson is really the the number one with the bullet guy. Yeah. And I think Quentin Grimes and I think Devon Dotson both could really develop into that. But I think if you were talking about Michigan State, you know, last shot at Michigan State and Diedrich Lawson is just swarmed or he's inbounding the ball, m- maybe your answer is Quentin Grimes or maybe it's LeGerald Vick. I think probably one of those two guys, if you need a bucket, that's not going to be a turn and dunk it type deal. Yep, I totally agree. I was thinking of Grimes especially, and I thought that you know Vic's a good pick too just because he has that been-there-done-that factor, and I feel like he is someone that doesn't necessarily get that fear in the big moment, so I, I would definitely get with him. All right, last conversation here. Let's do it. Top three players in the Big 12. Uh, I get the feeling we're going to disagree on maybe three of these, or not three of these, maybe two of the three. Yeah, uh, so exactly. why, don't you, why don't you count down your list? All right, so uh, number three, I have Barry Brown. I think that, honestly, if he hadn't gotten his eye poked against Kansas in the Big 12 tournament, I think that that game against Kansas State is a game, and I think that Kansas State could have honestly won that game. Um, I think that for him, he's going to be important with what Kansas State wants to do this year, and the Kansas State coach preached consistency, and that's kind of what he's been the past couple years, and now that he's back for, if I'm not mistaken, his senior year – I think that he's gonna be really. It's he's gonna be crucial what they're gonna to want to do. He's gonna be the one that's getting Dean Wade the ball, and I think it all is gonna flow through him. So for me, he's kind of the third best. I think the second best player in the Big Twelve, for me, it's Sag Kanate. I think that he is an incredible shot blocker. Like how often do you see guys go up and block shots with two hands and not foul 
and he just I always remember back to the West Virginia game last year where he turned away Svee, Marcus Garrett, um, and I think at one point Devontae had an open layup with only Kanate to B, and I think he turned around and ran it back to get a set going. So I think that he really stands out as being kind of a dominating presence, and with the West Virginia press kind of funneling all things into him and him being back for another year, what probably will end up being his last year in college, I think that he has to be the second best player. And I think first or the next best player in the Big 12 that's not on Kansas is Dean Wade. I think that if – I think that Deidre Lawson deserved to be voted the Big 12 – preseason player of the year, but I don't hate that Dean Wade was voted in. I thought you made a good point about Dean Wade as well. I think that in general, he's just kind of the best non-Kansas player from the sheer fact that he's done this so many times, uh, just from how skilled he is from a shooting perspective to a leadership perspective. I think that he is basically the best player not on Kansas, and I think he's that by a good margin. Yeah, I think he's by far the second best player in the Big 12, and um I absolutely, it's funny. So I actually had the same list as you. I, you know, I figured maybe Lindell Wigginton or Jarrett Culver would, would earn a vote in your spot, but we are snubbing Texas Tech and Iowa State. Yeah, one, two, three, exactly the same list. And I think Barry Brown, the the big knock on him has always been field goal percentage. And, you know, is he, is he an efficient scorer versus a volume scorer? I think that's where he needs to get better. But, I mean, come on, Dean Wade is a matchup nightmare, and you you saw him take a huge step forward. Averaged Andrew Wiggins-like numbers. Don't get that confused. I'm not saying he's Wiggins. Just the numbers last year in terms of points and rebounds. And he's got that reliable three-point jumper that I think, you know, for your stretch four, that's what you'd want. If if Diedrich Lawson, you could pencil him in or or put it in pen that he would shoot threes like a – like Dean Wade, because he hasn't done it on that sample size before. If you could pencil that in, I think every you know every coach in the country would absolutely take that. Uh, and then uh, Kanate, I think um, what he does in turn, you know, I asked him, I was like, "Are you the best shot blocker in the nation?" And he looked at me, he's like, "What do you think, man?" And <laughs> I, it's just like the fact of the matter is, he is yeah. like, I think he averaged three point two blocks per game or three point three, one of those numbers per game last year, and like. He's not Jeff Withy. He's not like your volleyball, avoid the contact, whatever. He's the, I'm going to crash into you, block your shot into oblivion. If I get called to a, you know, for a foul, I don't care. I'm going to scream. I'm going to mean mug. I'm going to get my team fired up. And those players are so valuable. You know, having, you meant, you know, talking about Wiggins. Wiggins versus Ben McLemore was so interesting because Ben McLemore loved to show off his athleticism. And Andrew Wiggins did not. Andrew Wiggins is a better athlete than Macklemore, a better leaper than Macklemore, but Macklemore's a better dunker because Andrew Wiggins didn't like how many times did he get above the rim and then like lay it in and just be like, dude, just go dunk on someone, you know, throw down a 360 or do something crazy. And and so like, I, I think when it comes to a, I don't even sort of know where I was going. Oh, firing people up. I was like, where did I go with that comparison? <laughs> no. When it comes to a guy like Kanate, that's the effect. It's going to get you know his team riled up, his team going, uh, and it makes you know when the when you're playing at West Virginia, crowds going crazy, you're dealing with that press. Then you've got that shot blocker in the middle. I think it it, it makes them so much more difficult uh, to deal with. And obviously, they have other talent. Issa Hamad or Ahmad is is going to be a you know a big part of that team. And then being back for one more year, especially, I believe he missed half of last yeah. year believe he was suspended uh, for maybe the first half of last year. So very interested to see what they look like. Very interested to see the Big 12 in general. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, – I think this year is going to be awesome in, in terms of quality of basketball. Even though I think Kansas is by far the best team, 
I think there are more good players in the Big 12 than there have been in past years. Uh, I noted this in the story that has that kind of list. Uh, last year, there weren't that many Big 12 players on the list. I want to say there were maybe like five in the top 70, and I don't know what the exact number is this year, but I think there were five more players in the top 100 than were last year. I think there's a ton of talent in the conference. I think between Dean Wade, Sagaba Kanate, uh, Quentin Grimes, and Diedrich Lawson, you probably have four of the best 50 players in the nation. Uh, and probably maybe even, you know, higher than that, maybe even for the best 30 or 40. So uh, I think that's a lot to look forward to a lot to, you know, there, there are tons of names and tons of guys we didn't even mention like Wigington and, and Jared Culver are two guys who, I mean, they could be NBA players next year, maybe not lottery picks, but they could be high draft picks, first round picks, certainly. And, uh, you know, didn't even make the list. So tons of talent in the big 12, really looking forward to that. Anything to add on any big 12 players before we get out of here? Nope, I think that's it. I'm just really interested to see how Kanate does throughout the year because he is, or Bob Huggins said, he does have a small injury now, but they're being precautious. That's just something to watch through non-conference play as if that kind of injury kind of pops up again. Yeah, and then one other note, I guess I had mentioned this. I think Dietrich Lawson and Silvio DeSoso would pair really well in terms of on-court lineups uh, just because I think Silvio DeSosa is kind of your classic scrapper, bruiser inside, but also has the range to the mid-range to where, you know, the the other team isn't just going to stick a shot blocker by the hoop because either guy can pop out a little bit. Now, obviously, Diedrich gets you all the way out to three-point range. Total difference in, in terms of uh, what that can do to an opposing team. But I think Silvio de Sosa showed you know how gritty he can be um, against Duke last year. I think he's just a gritty, gritty player, and that's not to say that Diedrich Lawson isn't, but it is to say that when you pair those two together and let their games complement each other— I mean, I, I think you have the potential to really wear down opponents. And I mean, how do you guard a team that has two big men that can step away, you know, 12, 15 feet, maybe even a little bit further and hit a shot, and then can also dice you up inside, and then also have guards that excel at getting into the lane and dishing, and also has shooters on the wing like LeGerald Vick, uh, like a Charlie Moore. It's, it's you know, an impossible equation. And then some other, you know, Big 12 players we didn't mention, obviously, like Desmond Bain at TCU. Uh, Xavier Sneed is an interesting one at K-State. Jalen Fisher also at TCU. Uh, mentioned Ahmad and LeGerald Vick also made the, the list at number 94. So uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that covers every player on the list. And, uh, and I think we at least touched a little bit on all of them. So I think that's a great place to leave off for the podcast. And, and, Plenty more to come, obviously, on KU basketball as we move forward and move into some of the next weeks or, you know, move into the real games and things like that. But, you know, for now, a ton to, to look forward to this Thursday. KU taking on Washburn, I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 7 p.m. on Thursday. Uh, Allen Fieldhouse should be, uh, again, good opportunity for maybe the bigs to showcase some stuff. Yudoka Azubuki in particular, really rough game against Emporia State. Only one field goal attempt, which was the dunk. 0 for 2 at the free throw line. He'll be looking for a much bigger game. So will guys like LeGerald Vick, who is 1 of 6 from 3. Uh, Charlie Moore, I didn't think, was very good. David McCormick, who looked a little shaky. All of those guys will be looking to bounce back. KU, Washburn, coming up Thursday. This has been the Fog.net Podcast. Follow Michael Swain at mswain97. I'm at Jason Scott on Twitter. Thanks for listening to the podcast, and we will talk to you guys next week. Next week.